0: But where are you really from?
1: A podcast about the Asian American struggle.
0: Hi, I'm Jessie Lin.
1: And I'm Angela Lin. And welcome to But Where Are You Really From?
0: Yes, we're back with another exciting episode. And I think this week we want to do something fun and introduce you guys to where in Asia we're actually really from. Our parents immigrated from a small country called Taiwan. On a map, it's like maybe 85 to 100 miles off the southeast coast of China, and it's south of Japan and Korea, and it's this you know, pretty small island. The population, the amount of people who live there, it's like 23 million people. For reference, Japan has 126 million people. And most of the people in Taiwan actually live in major metropolitan areas. So about half the population live in the Taipei and New Taipei City area. But for such a small country, it's actually really, really diverse. There are tons of different languages spoken there. Mandarin, Taiwanese, Hokkien, Hakka, and there are also 16 officially recognized indigenous groups, each with their own dialect and language and culture. Also, some fun facts or interesting facts about the country is that they recently re-elected the first female president, and they are the first country in Asia to legally allow for a same-sex marriage. Yes. Yes.
1: (laughs) Very different than in Western culture from a religion standpoint. There is a slight majority is Buddhism that's leading a uh, religion that's practiced, uh, around a third of the population, um, followed by Taoism, which Jesse and I were actually both raised on, our, our families are all Taoist. It's a sect of Buddhism, so you can, you can probably say Buddhism rules them all, versus like a Christianity in Western culture obviously is like the majority for a lot of different countries, but it's really only less than 4% in Taiwan. And just for some grounding, so you know kind of who came before the Taiwanese way, way, way long ago. The Dutch, I think, were the first to like set their sights on Taiwan, but that was like centuries ago. The Japanese also took over Taiwan for a bit. And Taiwanese people actually have a really interesting and like very positive relationship with Japanese people. There's a lot of similarities between our two cultures. So that's a pretty friendly relationship. And then, of course, uh, most recently, it's the Chinese relationship there where Taiwan was actually founded by people who were Chinese and fled from China to kind of start their own world based on the ideologies that they had.
0: So now you guys know a little bit more about Taiwan and where our families came from. So this week, we're taking you back to the motherland of our parents, Taiwan. So I think we'll kick it off and just say, this discuss our roots. Like how much of your family is still there?
1: Uh, the majority of my family is actually still there. Uh, it's a very few of us actually emigrated to, immigrated? I don't know which one it is. Uh, when you leave the country, emigrated, whatever. <laughs>
0: emigrated. There's moved. the one with the T and then there's the one with the
1: eye. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't know which is which. Um, okay, anyways. Uh, very few of us actually moved to America. So mm. uh, like I mentioned maybe in our first episode that my parents are both one of like 1 million children. And, uh, from their sides, like my dad's side, only he actually moved to, uh, moved out of Taiwan. And on my mom's side only two like her and one other moved. So when I go back, it's like everyone's there because it's most of my extended family is still out there. How about you?
0: I have kind of like a mixed experience, actually, because most of my dad's family is in California at this point. I think he only has one brother. I have only basically one uncle who still lives in Taiwan on my dad's side. Um, But definitely when I go back, the family connection I really have is with my mom's side of the family, because almost her entire family is still there. Like She has four sisters and a brother, and they all still live in various parts of Taiwan. So when I go back, my, my family connection is with that larger group of family members, aunts, uncles, and cousins. I made myself a commitment about two to three years ago, basically, to try to visit Taiwan at least every two years, just because my grandparents are getting older, my aunts are getting older, and I feel like I'm lacking some kind of like familial connection there.
1: That's so interesting. Um, And I'm really proud of you that you're making that kind of commitment. I feel like I should be better about that because the last time I went back was three or four years ago. And that was the first time in eight years that I had been back. Mm -hmm. So it had been like a huge gap and I went back for my cousin's wedding. So, Mm -hmm. um, but I definitely like feel some guilt for not going back as frequently especially because my parents are retired so they spend like half the year in Taiwan so I could easily go back
0: as I get older there's definitely this more like feeling of searching for some more familial roots Mm. and that more familial connection
1: well you're also an only child so that's probably yeah
0: (laughs) I know lonely and sad forever (laughs) (laughs) So tell us what you usually do when you go back to visit family there because it is quite some time, you know, between visits.
1: What do you usually do? I mean, we um, we eat a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, my aunt and uncles are all really good at cooking. So, like, they'll cook, but also we'll have to hit up all the, the hot spots. Like, you know, all the night markets are mm-hmm. definitely yeah. where the best food is at. So, And I they always cater to, like, what you want to do mm-hmm. at least when I Went on there, they're like, What do you want to do? I'm like, Yeah, eat all the things. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm like, I need stinky tofu, I need yin shuji, oh, the yeah, salty crispy chicken.
0: Good.
1: I need boba. like, you uh, know, I, I don't crave boba, <laughs> but I'm like, I know, I love um, hua, the um, okay, that like I'll tofu figure. sweet pudding thing. <laughs> yeah, the, basically, we hit up all the foods, yeah, um. And then Taiwan has all these like fun little like coastal towns that also have mostly like really good food Uh, and like cute things to do there. So I think they just try to like show me around because I'm not there that much, but Mm -hmm. it's a lot of eating. How about you?
0: I would say it's about the same. And they're also very, very open to building the schedule around what you want to do which is really funny because usually I have like no idea what I want to do. And I'm just like, show me whatever, but definitely yeah, a lot of eating our way across the country. And also the last time I was there though, I was there for a longer period of time. And it was the second time I had been in four years. So I was like keeping to that pattern that I wanted to. So we were able to do like some other stuff that I would say is less touristy. So we went to this tours of one of those like small night markets that you talk about it's just all ceramics like literally and like want- it's mostly like plates and bowls and like housewares yeah but that's <laughs> but yeah it's yeah super fun super cheap
1: it's underrated people don't think about it a lot yeah
0: yeah i mean so we're, we're talking about like our recent experiences like how do you feel how do you feel like traveling to taiwan has changed for you from, like, really small to, like, now?
1: Oh, it's completely different. I mean, when I went every three years, like I said, when I was a kid, it was always summer vacation. And so we'd spend, like, two, three months there, like, the whole break there, and I'd live at my grandma's house. Um, And it kind of – I looking back on it, I feel really, like, guilty thinking about it this way, but it almost felt like a prison because I was, like – because I was stuck there all summer and – I understood everyone like what my mom raised me speaking Chinese so I could I can communicate just fine with everyone but it was like you know I just grew up American so I went there and I was like what is this like country bumpkin like even though I was in Taipei right like compared to to the U.S. it just kind of felt a little bit more country the way that they they run things and um and I was a kid, so I couldn't like go out by myself. So I was like in the house and like beholden to whatever the adults were doing. And also uh, I'm highly allergic to mosquitoes. So I just like hated it because it was mosquito season all the time in Taiwan. So I, I didn't like it that much when I was a kid, which is like, makes me really sad to think about it now. But um, yeah, thinking about that versus now when I go back totally different. Because I think you you mentioned this and part of like why you are making that commitment to go back every two years. I think there's the like seeking out the familial connection. But also, I think as we grow older, like, it's a reason we're starting this podcast, right? Like we want to get back to our roots, like you said, and like, appreciate our culture more. And so when I go back, I like, I'm seeing it almost with fresh eyes, because I have a greater openness to like receiving what's around me and like understanding um, the culture behind what I'm doing there. Uh, mm. So it's totally different. How about you?
0: Yeah, I I agree to a certain extent. Although I will say I always had fun <laughs> <laughs> It just was as I think as you mentioned, it just wasn't as much fun as I wanted it to be. Like you know, I I think I have a few cousins that are like my age or a little bit younger so whenever i would go back like we would just have so much fun just hanging out with each other but i think the main problem is that we i would typically go back like as during my childhood dr- in, during the summers and it's not always a good time for the locals because they still have to go to school and they still have to go to work so you don't necessarily see everyone that you want to during that time that you're there i also feel like i kind of had like an opposite experience in a sense because I now live in a city, I love living in a city, but I think when I was a kid, I was probably like, I'm not really interested in being in this like, big, noisy, gross, hot place like Taipei. I really enjoyed being my country bumpkin self and in the countryside. But now, as you mentioned, as I've gotten older, like interests have shifted a little bit. I still really enjoy going back to the countryside and enjoying that nature aspect of it because I'm a tourist, duh. But, but also, like I really... I'm also looking to seek out activities like in the big cities, going out, seeing what the nightlife looks like and like things that you wouldn't have any interest in as a kid, really. So I think that there's a whole world of activities and things to find and explore and really connect with there that I just I haven't yet.
1: All right. So we've talked about a lot of the the fun stuff that we've done both as kids and also now as adults seeing things with different eyes. But something I think that's very relevant for this podcast because it is all about identity is talking about um, how we think about our identity when we are back in the motherland. Does that perspective for you of like who you are, how you think about yourself change when you are in Taiwan versus here in the U.S.
0: I feel like in the U.S. there isn't a heritage for me to be a part of, so I don't belong in that sense. And in Taiwan there is a heritage for me to be a part of, but I haven't been a part of it, so I can't lay claim to any of that either. So you're always left feeling kind of like the other, and I do have to agree with you, the language here is pretty, pretty great. I mean, my Mandarin is definitely not as good as yours. I'm definitely missing probably like a lot more vocabulary words than you are. So it's definitely always a challenge to go back and try to communicate the things that you want to say to your family members. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I definitely echo that. Yeah. Um not so much the not fitting in here. I think I feel that mostly when I am surrounded by a lot of like non, when I'm around a lot of white people. I mean, I'm not, yeah, I'm not very PC. I just, anyways, it's uh. that's the only time when I like don't feel like I totally belong because it's so obvious that you're different from everyone else. But otherwise I feel like very grounded and, America and like I'm American but when I'm in Taiwan I naturally feel like I don't belong because I am really dark so like Justin and I both grew up in Southern California it's like you tan and like you're out in the sun and whatever but versus in Asia for women right like you the ideal form of beauty is to be like as White as pale as possible—that's what beauty looks like. So even from like the get-go, I I stand out because I'm super dark. Um, like I distinctly remember this was in America, but it was when I was uh, I my mom introduced me to like an auntie that I hadn't seen in a really long time that I also didn't remember, but she remembered me from when I was a kid, and she's like, "Oh wow, you're so pretty. <sighs> if you weren't so." Dark. and i was like f you <laughs> um but anyway so like just from like an appearance standpoint i stand out but also i just yeah i don't feel like i really fit in i do feel like a big part of that is the um community slash like conformity of of the country versus like again we talk about this all the time but like versus the individualism of the us because when i do go back like You can very easily see the trends that are happening in Taiwan. I think it's very common for Asian countries in general that when there's a trend that's happening, like everyone adopts it. So when I go back, I can't help but feel like, oh, this like sea of women all have the same hair. They're all wearing like the same clothes. And so like naturally I stand out from from that perspective too, because I'm like wearing whatever I want to wear and whatnot. But anyways, on the topic of language, even though I can speak Chinese and, like, with the same accent as everyone else there, I still don't have, like, the total vocabulary that, you know, you would need to, like, fully express what you're thinking and your opinion on stuff. So I, I do feel a bit of, like, a disconnect because I can't say everything I want to say. So, uh, yeah, that's a big part of it as well. And, like, I feel like even for my family they're super welcoming and they want to like treat me well. And um, honestly, I feel like a celebrity when I'm there because they're like, Oh my God, she's back. Yeah. Um, Which is like really nice, but um, it just, it doesn't feel like I'm part of them because I'm already like a part because I'm this like special guest. That's not. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think I definitely agree with that. And also for me, I, I'm a, I'm a big ruminator, as you know. I ruminate on many, many things longer than I should. But for me, when I go back, I always think about what my life would have been like if my parents didn't leave, right? Because you have, you can see, you can see what it would be like because it's the life that your family members live there. So there, there's always, for me, a little bit of like melancholy going back because I'm like man like this social safety net in a sense this group of people that are so welcoming to me now I didn't really have that growing up necessarily because the family that was with us in California growing up is much smaller and the feeling of connection is not quite the same uh, even for those family members who are close together in California
1: Mm -hmm. yeah I have ruminated on the like what if scenario before but i think it's more um contextualized with like where i am now versus where my cousins are at now and like this is very poignant when i went back the three or four years ago i like hung out again with a cousin who's only like two years older than me and when we're just catching up on life like what do you do at the time oh, at the time I was in business school. So I had no job yet. But I was like telling him about the types of companies that I was trying to get jobs at. And then we were talking about his job. And like, he and many of his classmates, former classmates are all like engineers, uh, which is like would make big money here, right? And it's like a very coveted position. And he's like, yeah, we make like $30,000 $30,000 a year, like US dollars. I was like, what the actual fuck, right? And it's just like, the same skills translated to the US would garner you so much more value than in Taiwan. And it's not just Taiwan, it's a lot of other countries, even outside of, you know, Asia. But like, I just, I really felt the privilege of like, the only thing that's different here is that my parents happened to be able to get me a you know have me outside of the country versus you your parents stayed here and there is again like a sense of guilt because we just like n- neither of us controlled how our parents decided like what to do with their lives and then therefore our own fate and this is just like how the how it's played out
0: yeah and, and it's it's super jarring right it's super jarring because when you think about your your Sense of self, you're like I constructed this, I built this. But then when you start looking into your roots, you start to see like how many pieces of yourself are in a sense like predetermined. Like you didn't really build it. Like it 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 came from your background, your identity from where your parents came from.
1: Yeah, and speaking of like, you know, things that were not built by us that were given to us and also came from our parents, right? Like, I'm just going to continuing, I'm going to continue double downing on my uh, sense of guilt <laughs> about everything here. But like, my parents both talked about how they both grew up super poor. And like, to the point where they were like, yeah, when we were kids, we walked like one or two miles a day to school and we were barefoot because we couldn't afford shoes and like we had so many brothers and sisters that like you you weren't special and like you just you know you were trying to like survive and so comparing that with like our you know you and i grew up like upper middle class at best right but like that compared to actual poverty is just like night and day a world yeah. of difference and I, like yeah. it, it puts everything into perspective like every fight i've ever had with my parents and stuff i'm like do I have any right to have had any fights with my parents? Because they've like sacrificed so much Mm -hmm. to give me something infinitely better than they had as they were kids. And it's just, again, I feel so fucking guilty every time I think about that difference Mm -hmm. and what they had to do to get us here.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely the same, I think, background with my parents too. Like they grew up super poor in the countryside. And actually it's really... You know, my parents, my mom told me the where they used to live. It's the same place where they live now, but there's actually a, a big house now and there's an annex. So my mom's side of the family makes tea and that annex is basically where all the tea is like dried and stuff and made. It's not that big. It's probably like the size of like a shotgun house. And she was like, when we grew up, this is where we lived in the annex. There was no house at that time. So it's... All these things, I think, definitely put some context to the privileges that we've had growing up with. But I also think that I feel like I've inherited what my parents wanted in terms of a better life into my sense of identity now. Like They took a huge risk moving to a completely different country where they didn't speak the language and didn't know if they would have jobs, didn't know necessarily where they would be living in like a year from now. And they made it work. And I feel like part of that ethic and that desire to take risks and move on to something greater and better for yourself, that's definitely something that I think that I've inherited as part of my identity.
1: we are now in our fortune cookie closing section because who doesn't like to close with a sweet treat? Uh, As always, we would love to invite all of you to send in your personal stories about today's topic about going back to the motherland, what you love about it, what you hate about it, how you feel about your identity while you're there. And we said this in the last episode, we but we definitely really want to start sharing other people's perspectives on the show as well in future episodes. So please write into us at tell are from at gmail.com. And again, the your is Y-O-U-R-E. We look forward to hearing from you.
0: So we want to introduce some Taiwanese culture and some fun things that we really enjoyed as kids that were exported out of Taiwan in a sense. So I think for me, I definitely had a huge mini gay crush on this girl group called SHE. I thought their music was so great. And it's so funny because they're like this very local Taiwanese girl group. They're like super prolific. I think they're still, they were still making music as of like a few years ago mm. so they're still together going strong
1: they're like the pussycat dolls of taiwan because they're back <laughs> pussycat dolls are back
0: yeah well i would say yes except i don't think any of the groups are so sexualized there.
1: As, <laughs> that's true it's more yeah, conservative <laughs>
0: yeah for sure and then also cartoons great cartoons one of my favorites and i'm, I'm sure one of your favorites too was Shouting Down. dang uh for those of you who don't know what that is it's i think it's Dora Doraemon
1: Doraemon English.
0: Doraemon mm.
1: He's Japanese yeah. though that's an He's import Japanese,
0: but i feel like that's part of my I, I watched that i mean i watched that exclusively while i was in taiwan honestly and it was in yeah. mandarin it counts yeah. it's fine Yeah What about you you went through a huge asian embrace phase yeah, yeah, yeah. in middle school We already
1: talked about this so like my yeah my loves of my life were meteor garden the series which actually netflix did a remake of it which i tbh couldn't get into i was like really excited when i saw it pop up on my netflix and i was like this is terrible i'm not gonna watch this (laughs) um but that was a really hit series um back when i was in middle school And from that series spun off the boy band F4. My favorite guy from that band was this guy (laughs) whose name is Vanessa. So, like Vanessa. That's right. Oh my God. He's an ABC American born Chinese, y'all. And obviously, I liked him because outside of finding him attractive, I was like, I feel you because you're also an ABC. (laughs) And I like watch all this behind the scenes stuff where. He, like, apparently couldn't read any of the scripts because his Chinese wasn't good enough. Like, oh, my God. Like, ours wouldn't be good enough, right, to, like, read no. scripts. Mm-hmm. But, like, people had to, like, you know, read it to him. He had to memorize. And then he'd just, like, say things. There were all these, like, you know, outtakes that they would play at the end of every episode. And he would say, like, random shit that didn't make sense because it, Chinese is, like, yeah. not his. Well, maybe it's his first language, but, like, he's not saying it all the time in yeah, in America, mm-hmm. right? So I was like, yeah. I feel you, I feel uh, I think there's a series called like Firefly that, w- that I was also obsessed with. I think the theme song from that show was sung by this guy that I also then was obsessed with. who's a singer called Lin Junjie, JJ Lin, uh, for anyone who knows who he is. But basically, if I go back to Taiwan and you put on one of his hit songs, I still know how to sing it even though i haven't oh god, like to into it. it in 15 years yeah so yeah this is my life
0: yeah oh my god when you said that that just reminded i thought you were gonna say jay chow i yeah, forgot everyone was so him. were you not into him i was so into him how were you Super still into cute. him i feel
1: like he was too old for me like my brother liked him because he was closer to yeah. my brother's age but i was like that guy's old when i was when my brother was into he's him.
0: hot <laughs> because he's hot he had like really nice abs <laughs> yeah wow such a throwback i love it all right guys well if you really enjoyed this episode as we enjoyed making it please like follow subscribe send us dms send us sweet messages send us sweet feedback and as always check out next week's episode which will be coming next week
1: as we like to always close
0: Dijende. Dijende.